Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, October 8th. In today's news, Republicans rebuke President Trump over his Syria pullout. State Department employees are getting demoralized, resentful that Mike Pompeo doesn't have their backs. And the Nobel Prize in Physics goes to a Princeton professor who deepened our understanding of the Big Bang. But first, the big idea. A brand new Washington Post Shar School poll, which was in the field through Sunday night and we just posted this morning, shows that a 58% majority of Americans support the decision to begin an impeachment inquiry into Trump. And nearly half of all adults also say that Congress should take the additional step and recommend that the president be removed from office. Not surprisingly, most Democrats want to impeach and most Republicans don't. Among the critical voting bloc of independents, support for the impeachment inquiry has hit 57 percent. Since we polled in July, there has been strong movement toward an impeachment inquiry among all three groups, with support rising by 25 points among Democrats, 21 points among Republicans, and 20 points among independents. Our new survey finds cracks within the Republican coalition on impeachment, with younger and more moderate Republicans offering greater support. Broken down by age groups, 40% of Republican-leaning adults under the age of 40 endorse an impeachment inquiry, compared with only 13% of Republicans over age 65. Asked about the contents of Trump's telephone call with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, more than 60% of Americans overall say Trump's request to investigate Joe and Hunter Biden was inappropriate. Asked whether the president upholds adequate standards for ethics in government, 60% of Americans agree he does not. Majorities of Americans say Democrats in Congress are making a necessary stand against Trump's actions and are acting to uphold their constitutional duties. Similar numbers say Democrats are not overreaching by starting the inquiry. However, there are warning signs for Democrats. Half the country believes that the impeachment proceeding is distracting Congress from more important issues slightly higher than the percentage who disagree. And Trump's attacks, while baseless, are taking a toll on Joe Biden's image. Up on Capitol Hill, the impeachment investigation continues to move ahead. The big debate right now among House Democrats is whether to mask the identity of the first whistleblower from Republicans in Congress. The steps under consideration include having the whistleblower testify from a remote location, and obscuring the individual's appearance by putting him behind a screen, or his voice by having him talk into some kind of device. The efforts reflect Democratic distrust of their GOP colleagues, whom they see as fully invested in defending a president who has attacked the whistleblower's credibility and demanded absolute loyalty from his party. The highly unusual arrangement for the whistleblower's testimony underscores the toxicity between Republicans and Democrats specifically on the House Intelligence Committee, That was once considered the most bipartisan committee in Congress, but it's now spearheading the divisive impeachment investigation. Later today, the House Intel Committee will question Gordon Sundland, the U.S. ambassador to the European Union. The original whistleblower report said that Sundland, some of whose text messages we saw last week, met with Zelensky to give advice about how to navigate Trump's demands for an investigation into the Bidens. Sunland worked behind the scenes to carry out the president's wishes in a country that's not part of his portfolio. Ukraine is not in the European Union. Democrats yesterday also subpoenaed Defense Secretary Mark Esper and acting OMB Director Russ Vogt for documents related to the withholding of U.S. military aid from Ukraine. And that's 
the big idea. Here are three other important headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, Trump is facing a torrent of Republican rebukes over his plan to withdraw troops from northeast Syria. Even Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says what the president is doing will undermine U.S. national security and potentially bolster Islamic State terrorists. In a rare public split with the president, the Kentucky Republican said that a supermajority in the Senate disagrees with the president's abrupt withdrawal announcement, raising the specter of a veto-proof action to oppose the decision. McConnell, in a statement, directly referenced a January vote in which 68 senators rebuked Trump's threat to withdraw troops from Syria. That's large enough for a veto override. McConnell says those conditions still exist today. Senator Lindsey Graham, the Republican from South Carolina, says that he and Chris Van Hollen, a Democrat from Maryland, will introduce new sanctions targeting Turkey if Turkish forces invade Syria and hit the Kurds. Trump may be tired of fighting radical Islam, Graham said, but they are not tired of fighting us. And Senator Chris Murphy, a Democrat from Connecticut, is teaming up with Mitt Romney, the Republican senator from Utah, to hold congressional hearings as soon as possible to look into Trump's motives and the consequences of his decision to abandon a key ally. Rand Paul, the libertarian senator, was the only Republican who expressed happiness about Trump's move. The isolationist blasted Graham, Romney, and Marco Rubio on Fox News for being part of what he called the neocon war caucus. That led to a war of words among the Senate GOP. It remains unclear how extensive the U.S. troop drawdown or a Turkish incursion will be. A small number of U.S. troops pulled out yesterday from two observation posts on the Turkish border that were established this year in an effort to create a buffer zone along the border in cooperation with Turkey. Kurdish officials say they're hoping they can prevent or at least delay as long as possible a full departure of U.S. troops from Syria. A complete withdrawal would leave the Kurds at the mercy not only of the invading Turks to the north, but also of Russian and Iranian-backed Syrian troops to the south while facing the efforts of the Islamic State to reconstitute its insurgency. But privately, according to an advisor who's repeatedly discussed this issue with the president, Trump, quote, just wants out of Syria, no matter the consequences. Number two, the State Department workforce has turned hard on Secretary of State Mike Pompeo amid their growing belief that he has subordinated its mission and abandoned his colleagues in the service of Trump's political aims and to advance his own ambitions to run for Senate next year in Kansas. Thomas Pickering, a diplomatic dean who served in high-ranking departmental positions and held seven ambassadorships, including to Russia and the United Nations, under six presidents in both parties, tells us that the prevailing mood right now at Foggy Bottom is low and getting lower, if that was even possible. Those are his words. State Department officials strongly supported $141 million in departmental funds that Congress appropriated this year for Ukraine, in addition to $250 million in military assistance from the Pentagon. But there is no indication that Pompeo objected when Trump withheld all of that assistance, while Trump's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, and the president himself tried to coerce Kiev into investigating the Bidens. In fact, several people with direct knowledge of events tell us that Pompeo was regularly informed by State Department diplomats of Giuliani's activities regarding Ukraine. Most worrisome internally in the State Department, though, is the concern that Pompeo did not intervene to protect U.S. diplomats, either enlisted by Giuliani to assist his efforts or punished for being insufficiently committed to the cause. 
Trump, for example, ordered that career diplomat Maria Yovanovitch be fired as U.S. ambassador to Ukraine in May. Officials in the department say the accusations against Yovanovitch were totally baseless. Diplomats who worked closely with her say the State Department in Pompeo did far too little to try to protect her or save her job. She is scheduled to testify later this week behind closed doors. Number three, a cosmologist who revealed the universe was made mostly of invisible matter and energy, along with two scientists who detected the first planet orbiting an alien star, were jointly awarded the Nobel Prize in Physics this morning. By studying the afterglow of radiation left over from the universe's birth, James Peebles of Princeton developed a theoretical framework for the evolution of the cosmos that led to the discovery of dark energy and dark matter, substances that can't be observed by any scientific instruments, but nonetheless comprise 95% of our universe. Fellow laureates Michael Mayer and Didier Kalos revolutionized astronomy when in 1995 they announced the discovery of a large, gaseous world circling a star 50 light-years from our own sun, the first extrasolar planet ever recognized around a solar-type star. In the decades since 1995, scientists have found thousands more of these so-called exoplanets. In fact, astronomers now believe that our universe contains more planets than stars. These Nobel laureates painted a picture of a universe far stranger and, frankly, more wonderful than we ever before imagined. As members of the Nobel Committee said in Stockholm, our view of our place in the universe will never be the same again. And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, October 8th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you.